Listen up, small business founders, senior managers, and rising stars. Bill Ringel here, host of My Quest for the Best, where ambitious small business leaders discover strategies and tactics to unlock your growth potential. On each episode, I bring you the inside stories from published and accomplished guests who want to share their knowledge and experiences so you can be more successful in leading your people, managing your business, and navigating towards more growth and more impact in a changing and challenging landscape. Let's dive in. Joining me today is Rita Wilkins. Inspiration can come from the most unexpected places. Based on a trip to a third world country where people had so little, but they were happy, Rita Wilkins downsized from a 5,000 square foot home in the country to an 867 square foot home in Philadelphia, donating or gifting 95% of her stuff to people who wanted or needed it. Realizing the impact of her own downsizing journey, she was inspired to share experience with others. Rita's here to discuss her journey and her book, Downsize Your Life, Upgrade Your Lifestyle, Secrets to More Time, Money, and Freedom. Welcome, Rita. Thank you, Bill. Nice to be here with you. It's great to have you. Now tell me, when you were growing up, who's someone who influenced or inspired you? My parents, for sure. My mother, who could see possibility in everything and see the brighter side of life. We traveled extensively as children. I went to nine different schools. And um, one particular experience that just will always be part of me and part of my heart was um, when we moved to Germany. My father was an Air Force pilot. We moved to a 300-year-old house. And I remember walking through this house with my mother and having five children. I was one of the older children. And um, she made this an experience that would be fun. <laughs> Although in her head and her heart, I'm sure that she was thinking, how can I cook on a coal stove with five children? What that led into is just looking at life in such a positive way that no matter what, we can design this or we can make this fun. And we can, we can make difference right here. We can have a wonderful home, even though it's 300 years old. And, um, <laughs> no, but, but that was one experience. And, you know, another one just very briefly was when we were traveling and um, we traveled every month to a country we'd never been to. So having the perfect place for the perfect picnic in the Swiss Alps. And as she spread out her blanket that we would all sit on, it was one of those, those times we had, it didn't matter what we were eating. It was a gourmet lunch, no matter what. It was likely peanut butter and jelly. But it was still just the experience of finding that perfect spot for our family to have this amazing picnic and, and then, of course, the memories. So that has influenced me in terms of being a not only an interior designer, but a lifestyle designer, where we literally, through design tools and technology, we help people design and live a life that they love. Did you study design in school? Is that what you grew up wanting to do, Rita? <laughs> yeah, I probably did. I did go. I went to University of Rhode Island, University of North Carolina, and Rhode Island School of Design and University of Virginia. My degree is in interior design, and I've owned and operated a very successful interior design business for the last 35 years in Wilmington, Delaware, and we've done work throughout the country, everything from tiny little kitchens to Supreme Court justice chambers. So, you know, our, our experience is vast. And it was after my trip to Senegal, West Africa, where I had a life-changing experience. I stayed with my son in his tiny little hut for a month. He was serving in the Peace Corps at the time. And that trip changed my life because I came back and I looked around my big house and all the beautiful stuff that I had. And my life changed. It was like the stuff didn't matter anymore. 
So in spite of being in the interior design field and doing beautiful work all around the country, I started to look at my life differently. First, going back to Senegal, her kitchen table, my son's African mother, her kitchen table was the ground. And as I sat there the very first night around the fire, there were about 15 people and beautiful smiles and laughter and dancing. And the food that she served was, I don't even know, it was probably the best dinner I've ever had, though, because of the experience. But it served 15 people, this one bowl of grains and all kinds of things. And she I had been given a live chicken earlier in the day as my gift for arriving there. And that one little chicken sat on top of this bowl of grains. And she pushed the better part of the chicken towards me and to my son. That was a moment in my life that I thought, my goodness, they have nothing, but they're sharing the best of the best with all that they have. So fast forward one month later, I got on the plane and I knew something had happened, but I wasn't sure exactly what it was. I couldn't quite articulate it until I walked into my home right after the trip. And I walked from room to room to room. And it was this looking at my entire life, my entire home so differently than I'd ever seen it before. So I was seeing my life through a whole new lens and it reframed the way that I looked at stuff. And I can't say that overnight I said, oh, I'm going to downsize from 5,000 square feet. It wasn't that. It did, it did take a little while for me to discern what I really wanted most was that simple, joy-filled life like I experienced in Senegal. And certainly I was grateful for all the beautiful things that I had, but I just saw them differently. And it doesn't mean that there's, there's anything wrong with having beautiful stuff. It's just that in my mind, I now knew, and it was my, the why that made me cry, to say, I don't want or need all of this stuff. So the journey took one year for me to physically downsize from my 5,000 square foot home to my 867 square foot home. And then when I sat there in my beautiful, tiny little apartment in historic Philadelphia, I realized, my goodness, I have more time, more money, and more freedom than I've ever experienced. And I wanted more of that. And that's really what the impact was, is the idea of living with less so you can live more. That's really clear. And Rita, I bet you that it did come easily. What were some of the challenges you faced externally? with just saying, how do I make this transition? What were some of the, I mean, it's a lot to do. And you didn't know where you were going to end up. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Well, one of the challenges, and, and this was something I laughed at myself now, but I wasn't laughing then. I was actually crying that I could do this by myself. You know, I'm a firm believer in my work life of always having teams because there's always people that know things you don't know and you need to know those things. And that's how teams work. But I thought, oh, I can do this by myself. For one month, I literally tried to downsize by myself. And I have to say, I probably cried more than anything. And one day, I just got smart, and I picked up the phone and called one of my sisters and said, help. And they were, of course, willing to help. And so we created a game of downsizing. And that was that every weekend, I would have either family or friends come to visit me, and we would work for just four hours in one small area of my home. We would literally clock it. Four hours, we were going to get this done. Meaning, you know, that one little area of the basement, we're going to completely clear it out, downsize it, get it over to, you know, the donation center or wherever we were going to give it away or donate it. And then we would laugh and have fun, drink wine and, and eat. 
<laughs> so it actually became a game and it became fun. And my memories now of downsizing are wonderful memories of, yes, the tears and the hard work because, you know, another challenge was, you know, the physical exhaustion that you experience and then the emotional confrontation that occurs when, in my case, it was the very first time I really cried was when I opened a box that I hadn't seen in 10 years and it was my father's alarm clock. Those old-fashioned Timex clocks that probably cost $1.99 and it wasn't the clock. It was the memories of him getting up early in the morning and winding that clock, you know, at night to get up early to provide for our family. And that made me cry. So, you know, I created tools around that. And one of my strategies there became, well, let's take a photo of it and write a story about it. And now I have a beautiful Shutterfly book of all of those things that triggered a strong emotion. And so someday my children or my grandchildren can know why did mom or why did grandma cry over a clock? <laughs> That's a lovely story. And I think that the lesson for a lot of people is, is that you could still have a connection to those memories, even mm -hmm. without having the stuff. Exactly. And I think that the, and I, I relate to that. I remember when my son left for college and I was going through an area that he had not cleaned out, which were some of his tennis sneakers. <laughs> and he had a dozen tennis shoes because he played competitive tennis and, and I'd go through those and I lined up all the shoes and I looked at them and I said, you know what? I was going to a quick photo because I could look at those shoes and I remember they weren't all the same because they're different colors and different styles. And I can remember where he was playing those, you know, those afternoons and those tournaments. Sure. And they did. They had that memory. They were connections back to those times. Yeah. So it's kind of fun to do that. And I, I really appreciate oh. the story of that. And I hope that people listening take away that you can always have the connections back to the people, the memories, the feelings that you had. And it could take different forms. Mm -hmm. Let me just also share for my millennial listeners that an alarm clock was something that people not only had <laughs> on their phone, but at one time it was a separate device that required winding because it was mechanical and didn't have batteries and <laughs> didn't have a USB port. <laughs> Thanks for putting that in. <laughs> so. Now, Rita, let me ask you, I'm sure that others have come to you because you've been sharing the story through your book and through your talks. What's an example of someone who you've worked with who came to you and said, I want to have this kind of lifestyle. I want to have this kind of freedom. And I don't know where to begin help. Can you share an example of the situation they were in? Sure. So Janet is a mid-60s woman who runs a very profitable commercial cleaning business. It's a mid-sized company in the 2 to $4 million range. And her, the nature of her business is commercial cleaning. So she cleans very large commercial spaces. Um, it's located in um, Wilmington, Delaware. And she employs almost 100 people. So she came to me saying, you know, I've listened to your TEDx talk. I've known you a little bit in business preferably. And I see what you're doing now with your book. And I want a better life for myself and certainly for my family and my company. So where she was struggling was not knowing what's next. And she had a, a large home. And so we physically downsized her home to a much smaller, more manageable space. She moved her business from a building to her home so that overall her life just got simpler and easier because she had less stuff to manage, more, less property to manage, and she could focus more on her business and on her life. And what she really wanted most from me is how can I design my life to be what I really want 
And that's really what I talk about is how can you design and live a life that you love? When you think about Janet, what is it that was one of the big obstacles that you were able to help her move or remove? And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, it seemed to open a door and allow all sorts of possibilities, and it created momentum for her. Exactly. So part of the process in working with her is is her and just not being able to, she didn't see what she didn't see. And, you know, sometimes when we don't know what we don't know, and it was just a matter of her reflecting back on what's stopping me, meaning her, from having the life that I really want. How can I have more freedom, more time, more money to do what I really want to do rather than being bogged down in all the have-tos and the shoulds of the world? So it's basically doing a self-inventory and a self-awareness analysis of where am I right now and look at what are you missing? What are you longing for? What are you afraid of? What are you anxious about? Now, those are some of the questions you asked. Mm What were a couple of the answers that she came up with that she wasn't able to arrive at for herself? She didn't see that she was stopping herself, you know, so from things that, that, you know, you experience in life and and in the past, she didn't believe that she could have it. And it came from a scarcity mindset versus an abundant mindset. So she wasn't even clear what she wanted. So getting clarity and a vision for what do I want? So let me just compare that. Mm-hmm. Let me probably mm-hmm. contrast that. I bet she was really clear about the kind of business she wanted if she built a business to 100 employees and had a, a seven-figure business. Mm-hmm. She had crystal clarity about who she wanted to serve, the problems she was addressing for those people, and the, the ways that she was going to scale in order to address those needs effectively and profitably. And then when it came to herself, she turned those questions to herself and couldn't really come up with the answer. She couldn't really interrogate herself or interview herself in order to come up with the answers that would allow her to develop that vision. Because once she had a clear vision, was that one of the keys that opened up the rest of the process for her? Absolutely. You know, and when we're running businesses, you know, we don't always take time for ourselves. And I find this to be, you know, pretty clear across the board. And at a certain point in your life, when you realize, you know, I I am a success and I have done well, but what else is there? What do I want more of and what do I want less of in my life? And that's really what she was able to discern by looking at her own life and saying, you know, you know, on a couple of boards, I'm volunteering too much. It's dragging me down and her energy level in those particular areas was low. And then what we looked at is where are your energy levels high? What do you love doing? What are you passionate about? What did you always want to do when you were a kid and you've never done before? So you start opening up the door for them to just see what they don't see. And that gets kind of exciting because, you know, it helps them create a vision. In my design world, I call it you're getting your wants, needs, and wish list. So what is it that you want, need, and wish for? And there's another process where you brainstorm ideas about how can I have that? And you almost play a game of what if, you know, what if I did take more vacations? What if I did take time away from my business? What if I did start to allow other and trust other people to be part of my business um, so that I can ultimately step back? That what if game is powerful, Rita. It's (laughs) really important for everyone listening to ask themselves, what if, so that they can imagine a different future, a better future, one that has that greater level of freedom, 
and ability to explore. Mm -hmm. Because if we're still pursuing the same goals and dreams that we were 10 years ago, 20 years ago, they probably don't fit. Similar to how an outfit or a coat or a jacket that fit and was appropriate 15, 20 years ago probably isn't the best to be wearing today. So Rita, are you ready for my quest for the best lightning round? Of course. I'm really ready for it. Go for it. What's one of the best ways you've spent $100 or less in the last three months? Okay. Um, time with my children. I have two sons, um, two amazing daughters-in-law, and a, new, a brand new grandchild. And the gift of time was just a simple dinner in my apartment. Everyone helped. And I'm, I'm sure we even spent less than $100, but it was one of the most meaningful times that we had. My son still lives in Africa, but he came home for this particular time together, and we created memories. So $100 is $100, but memories are priceless. And um, so that one simple dinner and the invitation to please come home so we can all be together and spend this time and meet your new niece. and. Anyway, it's time together. All right. And other than your own, what's a book that you've given as a gift in the past year? <laughs> so Joshua Becker is someone I have followed for a number of years. He's had a great influence on me. And The Minimalist Home is one. I'm not sure I would call myself a minimalist. But you know, when you live with less, the journey is very rich because you have an abundant life with less. And Joshua has been a big influence. And I share his book because he actually helped me at the beginning of my journey. You know, how do you live with so much less and how can you be happy living that way? You know, talk to him basically every day in my head. <laughs> how can I live with less and still experience more? That's a great lead into my last question. What's the most important habit or routine or belief that you've stopped or eliminated in the last year that's brought you the most pleasure or personal satisfaction? Mm. So I haven't been in a store to shop for myself for almost two years now. I mean, I, I go into the store for basic needs and certainly of the holidays, I bought a few things, but the desire to have more is just non-existent in my life anymore. So I choose to not shop. You know, I certainly buy books and that's usually by Amazon, but it's far more about creating experiences for myself for other people and and it can be something as simple as you know having dinner together or taking walks or hikes or whatever it is so just finding ways that you can upgrade your life by not having to have stuff my past life was filled with going to a store to buy more clothes more shoes more something and there was an emptiness there was a gap there was a real void there now by not doing that and by choosing to live intentionally to develop new experiences, it's a, a far richer and more abundant life. Rita, before we say goodbye, where could people find out more about you and the work that you do? Okay, so my name is Rita Wilkins. My website is ritawilkins.com. And my book is Downsize Your Life, Upgrade Your Lifestyle. It's a bestseller, Amazon bestseller, number one bestseller. And it's on Amazon. And um, they're welcome to reach out to me. I would love to help them in any way that I can. Rita Wilkins, author of Downsize Your Life, Upgrade Your Lifestyle. Thank you so much for joining me on My Quest for the Best. Thank you, Bill. And have an amazing year. You too. 
Hi, this is Bill, and I hope you've enjoyed this podcast interview on my quest for the best. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite app, so you never miss an episode full of stories, tips, and insights for the ambitious small business leader. Now I have a quick request for you. Please go to Apple Podcasts and iTunes and give us a rating and review. My team and I really appreciate the feedback, and we read every comment to find out what you enjoy and what you want as we develop new content, course materials, and a few surprises that we have in store for you. When you rate and review my quest for the best, you help other small business leaders find us, subscribe to the podcast, and join the community. You can get the Insider's e-newsletter for small business leaders by going to myquestforthebest.com. We have chosen a challenging path to make a living and make a difference in the world, and I believe it's important to share top-notch resources with each other, which is why you'll find new episodes from top thought leaders and small business experts on My Quest for the Best each week. Thanks for listening and being part of the community. See you on the next episode.